Well, good morning, church. If you're visiting with us today, my name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here for the last nine years, and it's my privilege to be speaking here most Sunday morning. We're in a series of messages called Foolproof, and the Bible talks throughout the book of Proverbs, but in other places in Scripture as well about foolishness or what we would call biblical fools. Uh, None of us, including myself, like to admit that uh, I could be a fool, but I know in my 61, almost 61 years of living, that there I have certainly been foolish at times and have been a fool at times, and I would be honest enough to admit that. The Bible says a lot about fools. The Bible says a lot about biblical fools. And so we're talking about how to foolproof your life. And the book of Proverbs is a great place to launch in all of that. And you cannot read the book of Proverbs without understanding that that book, as well as other places in the Bible, say this, that fools talk too much. Amy, this is a cue for you right now. There it is. Fools talk too much. You cannot read the book of Proverbs without coming to that understanding. Now the problem with that many times is people who talk too much don't know they talk too much. And we are polite and don't want to tell them. Unless they're my son and I tell Levi that every day. He's the most verbal male I've ever met in my life. And he's got to understand the way of the world. And someone that talks too much, it makes other people uncomfortable and they don't want to be around you. And the Bible says, in just almost like a practical way, biblical fools talk too much. Much Now, if I had time today, as we did the other night in men's Bible study, we could explore why Proverbs says that fools talk too much. But there's a few verses here that will launch you into that. 18.2 of Proverbs, what do we have here? Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but they delight in airing their own opinions. And... People are flashing through your minds, but the cool thing about that is none of you all are flashing through your own minds right now. Or I'm not flashing through my mind right now. And I could pull, se- pull several verses that say almost the same thing. Fools find no pleasure in understanding. And they just delight at running at the mouth. Now, In my 60, almost 61 years, I've found out that some people talk too much because they're insecure people. And somehow they've got to think that they um, got to prove their worth by talking a lot. And you know what they do? They do just the opposite when they do that, right? Uh, Some people are uncomfortable with silence and... and, and I was 14, 15, first time I ever picked up a phone, called a girl on the phone, you know. And I was so, so worried about what I was going to say, and so I made myself a list of things to talk about, you know, because we hate silence, don't we? 
But silence is not bad. Silence is okay. Especially if the alternative is filling it with foolishness. Some people talk to talk. Words have meaning and words are used for a purpose. And the Bible says in so many places, verses like this, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but they just delight in you listening to them. They just delight in telling you what they know in airing their own opinions. 18.6 of Proverbs, the lips of a fool bring strife and their mouths invite a beating. <laughs> Levi could say amen to that a few times, I think. They just get in trouble. When you talk too much, you just end up you're going to get in trouble. It's, 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 it's unavoidable. Think back of the trouble that we would have saved ourselves if we'd have just zip it. Think about that. Most of the time that there's conflict and difficulty is because of words. I said too much, I didn't say them in the right way, I said them too harsh, I didn't say them in the right tone of voice, I didn't keep a confidence because I just wanted to tell somebody else. The, the, the lips of fools, they create strife. They create conflict because that's what too many words do. 18.7 of Proverbs says this, The mouths of fools are their undoing, and their lips are a snare to their very, very lives. I could, I could, I could and I've, I've done this before, we could spend the whole 35 minutes today on this and go after scripture after scripture after scripture and the wisdom there is in shutting your mouth. The wisdom there is by being very prudent with your words. Okay? And Proverbs 13:3 Those who guard their lips preserve their lives. And those who speak rashly will come to ruin. I've quoted this before, and I may have it up here later. I don't know. Uh, it's better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. My dad drilled that into me. That, you know, and, you know, me, I have to talk for a living. So, you know... But you, you put me away from this scene, and you'll see that I'm a quiet person. And I think that some of that is, is DNA, but also some of that is as I've aged, I've learned the wisdom of speaking appropriate words when they need to be spoken, but also not running at the mouth. There's wisdom. There's wisdom in that. When I think of wise people that I've pastored, board members that I've had, people in my church that I consider wise. It was never, ever, ever a person that ran off at the mouth. And most of the times, if, when I could name you wise people, they were people who were quiet. They spoke when they're spoken to. We've had board meetings so many times. And that one person that never, ever says anything, when that person speaks... Everyone listens. 
when that person speaks, everyone listens. Because that person just not da-da-da-da-da-da-da. When that person speaks, they have something to say, and everyone listens. Okay? Words are necessary. Words are good. Not what, that's not what we're saying. But they're to be used with restraint, and they're to be used with wisdom. And there is great, great biblical wisdom of not talking a whole bunch. Fools talk to, biblical fools talk too much. Scripture also says that biblical fools have no self-control. Okay, biblical fools have no self-control. Proverbs 29, 11 is my favorite verse for this. Fools give full vent to their rage. Some translations there say anger. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise, keep, the wise bring calm in the end. The key word there, friend, is what? Fool. The verse doesn't say fools give vent to their anger. You better vent your anger somewhere. It'll kill you if you don't. You better find a healthy outlet for the stress and any anger that happens in your family life, work life, or whatever it may be. You better find a healthy outlet for that. But the Scripture says, in all the wisdom of God-inspired Scripture, it says full vent. Full vent. Can I just be honest with you? Am I the only male maybe female, but am I the only male that at some time gave full vent to their anger and there's a hole in the wall somewhere? You're all too holy to admit it, aren't you? I know you are. Foolish! Biblical foolishness. Better give vent. You better work out a way to vent it full vent. I can remember when we lived in Georgia and we're planning a church in Georgia, I was on the phone with a person in our church and it's just, he was a good guy, but he was just a know-it-all and he was always telling me how to do everything better and, and so I was, I was trying to be polite and, and I hung up the phone and my guitar was right there on his stand And I held myself because I had a little two-year-old son right here. But that would have been full vent to my anger. You got to find a way to vent. You got to find a way to release stress. But people that have no self-control are biblical fools, the Bible says. 25:28 of Proverbs says this. Like a city whose walls are broken through. Biblical times, you had a wall around your city that was for protection, obviously. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. 16.32 of Proverbs, better a patient person than a warrior. Better to be patient than be a warrior. Better to be one with self-control than one who takes a whole city now here's the deal on self-control the world would tell you self-control is gritting your teeth and holding your tongue 
walking out of the room when you're tempted to say something that you don't want to say. So the world will tell you that self-control is up to me. But the Bible tells you something completely different. Do you know the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I'm not operating in the fullness of the Spirit if I'm kicking my guitar. I'm not walking in the fullness of God's Spirit. Self-control is a God thing in my life. It's not just me gritting my teeth, grin and bear it, as my dad used to say. It's the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God's Holy Spirit in your life. How do you know God's Holy Spirit is working in your life? The Bible says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's a God thing. It's not a grit your teeth thing. It's not a grin and bear it type of thing. It's a God thing. You can't get away from reading the book of Proverbs and say that biblical fools, biblical fools have no self-control. It's wise to hold your tongue. It's wise to hold back and not give full vent. One scripture that we looked at the other night in the men's Bible study was fools show their annoyance at once but a prudent man overlooks an insult. <laughs> Fools show their annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. we got a whole lot of people in the world today that get offended about everything, don't we? They just, everybody's getting offended. And the Bible says, that's not wise. Prudent people overlook an insult. Wise people overlook an insult. But fools have no self-control, and they show their annoyance at once. Uh, emotional control is an unbelievably important thing for success in this life, that we're not ruled by our emotions. Unbelievably crucial that you're ru ruled by your head. Emotions aren't bad, but they certainly can be if I'm ruled by emotions. Because one day I'm up and the next day I'm down and it's a horrible life. I'm ruled by the truth that's in my brain, not how I feel. I may feel bad just because I skipped breakfast. Doesn't mean I have to act out on that in a way that shows emotion and I say something that's too harsh. Fools have no self-control. Biblical fools have no self-control. Also, biblical fools... <laughs> I like this because the Bible is unbelievably practical. There's a whole lot in this Bible, and especially in the book of Proverbs, that's not even spiritual. It's just plain common sense. An atheist could agree with a whole lot of the book of Proverbs because it's filled with common sense. But according to the Bible, biblical fools don't listen to or don't heed common sense or don't, for some reason, don't have any. And you know what? Our kids aren't born with common sense. It's our job as parents 
to teach them that understanding of the way the world works. Christopher and I went to the ball game last night in Columbus, and, and there were several opportunities, at least three or four, that I had just little one-minute conversations with him on things he saw, things he heard, the way you handle yourself and all that kind of stuff that were just common sense things that we have to teach our kids. But biblical fools, they don't have it, they certainly don't listen to it, or they don't heed it. Common sense, or what the Proverbs calls understanding. And it's the understanding of the way the world works. And I've already quoted this verse, 1728. This is common sense. Any atheist would say amen. This is just practical stuff. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. I was about 22, and I was coaching basketball in Lexington, and, and one of the kids I coached on the high school team, his, his dad was a... His dad was an uh, executive at a company. I never really could totally figure out what he did for a living. But he really took an interest in me. And, and, and I went on to St. Louis on a business trip with him. And he says, bring a suit of clothes with you. And so here I was, 22. I didn't know up from down, you know. And, and so I took my suit with me. And we got in to walk, walk into this boardroom where this meeting was, was. And he says, just keep quiet. And man, I could do that. But you know what? If I had opened my mouth, people looked at me over there and they said, well, he, that, guy, that guy might be a fool. He's, he's sitting there not saying anything. But if I had opened it, they would have known I was a fool and known that I had no business being in that room. That's what that verse says. That's what this verse says. It's common sense. It's the way the world, it's the way the world works. 23.9 of Proverbs. Don't speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. And what's not speaking to fools doesn't mean that you walk past them and rude. It doesn't mean, you know, you can try to counsel a fool, and you can try to help him or her in their ways, but man, if, a, if, if they're in foolish living... They're going to scorn your words, and they're going to many times eat your words up and turn it right back on you. You just better shut up and, and hope and pray that they grow up a little bit because you're wasting your time. They'll, they'll scorn your wise, prudent words. You're giving good counsel. You're giving, passing along good instruction and good wisdom, but, but fools will make fun of it. Fools will scorn it. So just... Wait to a better time. Wait till they have something. You know, a lot of people have to go through a difficulty in life before they'll listen to you. A lot of people have to fall before they'll listen to you. A lot of people will have to have their legs chopped out from under you before they listen to you. That was mine. That, that was, that was my, that's my testimony. I knew it all until I was 34 until my life literally started crumbling in front of me. Fools, they don't, they don't respect good advice. And they may eat you up for giving it or make fun of you. 1320 of Proverbs. This, this is just common sense. Atheists can have this. You know, even a Baptist can have it. No, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Walk with the wise. 
Walk with the wise and become wise. But a companion of fools suffers harm. It, 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 that works whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Buddhist, whether, whether you're a, a Mormon, a Jehovah's Witness, whether you're a Muslim. That works. It's common sense. It's practical. But what will fools do? Many times, they'll hang out with other fools. Walk with the wise and become wise. You, you, you are who you hang out with. You are who you listen to. You are who you read after. So politically, if you're on the left or the right in the middle, you probably listen and hear those sides a whole lot. That's who you listen to, and that's who you're going to be like. Very few of us are mature enough that if you're on the left, you listen to the right, and if you're on the right, you will actually read after and listen to the, to, to the left because obviously the truth is somewhere there in the middle. Wise people, they, they choose wise friends. You are who you hang out with. You are who you hang out with. And how many, how many situations with marriage do we have that I could talk to you about? Someone who married the wrong person. And their life become very, very difficult. You are who you're around. You are who you listen to. You are who you hang around with. You are who you read after. Uh, biblical fools will totally ignore that advice. And they see no problem hanging around with other companions that are going in a silly way. So as, as I said last week, as Christians, we're friends with everybody. We're polite to everybody. We're not rude. We can be friendly, but we're certainly not friends with everybody. We certainly don't join ourselves in a friendship, a close friendship, can't take counsel from. Let me, let me continue. A couple more things. Biblical fools don't listen to or seek advice. They don't listen to or seek advice. I, I was, flattered is not the right word. I was pleased when someone in this church, couple in this church, came this week to our house to talk to us about a problem they have at their home. Now, the reason I was pleased is not because I'm this fountainhead of, of knowledge and that I'm going to say the right thing, because I don't know if I said a thing that helped them, to be quite honest with you. Sue probably did. But they're wise for asking for it. They're wise for asking for it. They're wise for seeking counsel. And the Bible says biblical fools don't do that. You know what the Quakers, I, some of you, I don't have time to tell you who the Quakers are. They're, they're, they're Christian folk, and, but there's not very many of them left. And there was a whole bunch of Quakers early on in the 1700s, 1800s. But the Quakers had something called a, a clearing conference. And if, they, if it was a difficult situation, they would call some of their fr friends that they respected and say, can we come together? We have a problem. And they would share that problem and then those people, 
three, four, five, would go for a week and think and pray through that problem and then come back in a week and tell them their opinion. That was a, a way they made decisions as Quakers. Sue and I had Christopher, and he was only six months old. Okay, we'd adopted Christopher, and it was the first child that we had, and Sue was learning how to be a mom, and she probably wasn't as all that confident in that, but we had the opportunity to, to adopt a 10- and 8-year-old girls, sisters. They were ours if we wanted them. And me being the guy, thinking in the guy logic, you know, we, Sue and I had fertility issues, so, you know, we got Christopher, and then we're going to have these two girls. I fixed the problem. That's what guys do. We fix the problem. So, man, I wanted, I wanted to adopt them, but Sue was just learning how to be a mom. And she was going to have to learn how to be a mom to a six-year-old, but then she was going to have a 10- and 8-year-old girls. And I really wanted to, and Sue didn't. And we called our church board together. I was pastoring in Georgia, and we called our church board together, told them the situation, say, and one week come back and tell us what you think. Tell us what you think. And they did that, and we heard it. And we don't... We, we don't have to take everyone's opinion, but we sought the advice. Obviously, Sue won out on that because me, being a halfway wise husband, knows that you can't do anything as important as adopting two little girls unless you both are in agreement. And because we couldn't come to agreement, the decision was made. Biblical fools don't listen to or seek advice. 12.15 of Proverbs the way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. The way of the fool seems right, but they don't listen to any counsel. They don't listen to advice. 15.5 of Proverbs, a fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. It takes humility to receive advice it takes humility to receive someone's instruction you being and me being a teachable person biblically that's a very wise thing a very wise thing but fools biblical fools they don't seek advice or they don't listen to it when it's given Twenty-six, twelve of proverbs do you see a person who's wise in their own eyes well, man, there's more hope for a fool than that, that person. You see someone who thinks they're wise? Do you see someone who knows they're wise? I, I don't know if any of you all feel this way. The older I get, the dumber I think I am. Do you all feel that way? The older I get, the more I know I don't know too much. The older I get, the more I know there's a vast bunch of stuff out there that I don't know, so my words will be few. Now, I halfway think that's a symbol of maturity. I don't think a symbol of maturity is that I get wiser and wiser in my own eyes. The Bible says, my Mark, if that's you, there's more hope for a fool than there is for you. Have a healthy respect for what you don't know. Have a healthy respect for your own ignorance. The, the, the longer I deal with this Bible, 
the more ignorant I feel many times because there's so much I don't know. Now, actually, at, at a, as a 27-year-old Christian now, I, I'm sure I know a whole lot more than I did when I was a two-year-old Christian. But it's like when I get into God's Word, it's like, wow, man, there's just a lot I don't know. But, you know, when I was a one-year-old Christian, you know, I knew John 3.16, thought I knew it all. The Bible says that's wise. The Bible says that's wise. And let me finish. Fools are spiritually lazy. Now, I could also go through several verses that says fools are just plain lazy. Lots of verses about the sluggard is the word, the biblical word. Lots of, of, of admonitions to the fools who don't work. And lots of admonitions to wise people and patting them on the back because they're diligent and they hang in there. But here's where I'm going with this. Fools are spiritually lazy. Proverbs 132 says this. For simpletons, and sometimes the Bible uses simple the simple and fools interchangeably. The simpletons turn away from me, and that would be wisdom. Remember, remember, throughout the book of Proverbs, wisdom speaks. And obviously wisdom comes from God, but wisdom is speaking throughout the book of Proverbs. So the me is wisdom, and wisdom comes from God. So for simpletons, turn away from me. Turn away from who? Who's me? It's actually God and the wisdom that he's given. Simpletons, simple people, fools, they turn away from me. They're spiritually complacent. They're going about life not thinking of eternal things. That's why I love doing funerals. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? But I love doing funerals because you know what? I got people's attention. Because one of the few times in life they're thinking about eternal matters. Now, They'll walk out the door and start talking about the Buckeyes. I know that. People that are spiritually complacent. But at least at that funeral, I have some listening ears to eternal matters. But the world, uh, the, the majority of the world are spiritually lazy. They're spiritually complacent. They're walking around worrying about temporal things. And not worrying about eternal things. And I wonder how many people in the church of Jesus Christ, whether they're in the Nazarene church, or the Baptist church, the Presbyterian church, or Methodist church, or you name it, how many people in the church of Jesus Christ take spiritual things seriously on Sunday morning, but the rest of the week they're spiritually lazy? They're spiritually complacent. The Bible says that is biblical foolishness. To be so wrapped up in the world and so wrapped up in things that you neglect. There's nothing wrong being wrapped up in Ohio State Buckeye game. I mean, we had a blast last night. But I know where that is on the priority list. So many people so wrapped up in the temporal things of this world and they're spiritually complacent. They're spiritually lazy. Give me that verse one more time, please. Simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. They're walking around life 
and they're not thinking about the really important things. They're worried about the temporal things. What did we say last week? Many people go for short-term comfort and ignore the long-term consequences. Many people go for short-term comfort and ignore the long-term consequences. With short, when you're dealing with temporal things, you'll get short-term comfort. You'll get it. But you're ignoring long-term consequences. And then people wonder why, when it gets to the crisis time in life, families can't handle crises that go on in life. You know what? You've been spiritually complacent. You've been spiritually lazy. How good it is to sit by Joanna Trotter's deathbed Saturday. And Greg, her son, was there. And, and, and Joanna was barely responsive. I think she knew I was there. I was, got down into her, her halfway good ear. She didn't hear very good for all of Y'all remember that. And I talked to her and said it was Pastor Mark, and she kind of grunted something. I sang to her, told her, thank you for all you've done for me and my family. Thank you for what you've done to the, for this church in the 30-plus years that her and Dick were involved in it. And I, 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 I told her that, yeah, that she's getting ready to be able to see things that she's only heard preached about and read about. What a marvelous privilege it is to be around the deathbed of people that have not been spiritually lazy in their life. And I can look over to Greg, and Greg's okay. He's got a tear because we're human beings, but he's okay. His mama's dying, but he's okay. What a great privilege we have as Christians. But that privilege are for people that have not been spiritually complacent, that have not been spiritually lazy, that have lived for eternal matters and not for the short-term comforts of this world. And you know, friends, that all starts. You're, you're living for eternal things. All starts with the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where it starts. There's the foundation. A heavy dose in your life of leaning and trusting and believing in what Jesus did for you on the cross. And you can't do anything to save yourself. The Bible says it's filthy rags if you try. But you can trust in the one that he sent to do the work for you. And you just believe in his work on the cross. And that is where spiritual wisdom that's where spirituality starts. Complacent people, they don't think about that. You go up and ask somebody, you ever think about the afterlife? No, you know, I don't think you can know anything about it, so I don't think about it. It's, it's tough deathbeds when you're around those people. It's hard for me. It's hard for the family. I don't know what to say. Have you really, truly accepted Jesus Christ and started your road of spiritual maturity so you don't get the end of the way and realize you've been spiritually lazy and you can't handle the deathbed scene and you don't have hope 
of where you're leaving this world and you're grieving like everybody else grieves the bible says we grieve as christians but we do not grieve as those who have no hope those people that have hope they've not been spiritually complacent how about you starts with what we end our service with the cup and the bread that symbolizes the death of jesus you could start for somebody today that you could get off your spiritually lazy complacent track your own and start taking spiritual things seriously our servers are coming to the table father I pray you take these words that have been straight from your, your word to us. I pray that you'd help us. I pray that you would help us to not only listen to, but heed them. I pray that we would take them very seriously. And we would indeed seek counsel and advice from not only our friends, but from your word and what your word says about it. Father, I pray for people in the, under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or listening on the internet, that are spiritually lazy, they're spiritually complacent. And I, I can pray they would change that today with a heavy dose of what Jesus did on the cross for them. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen and amen.